Last week we talked about partaking of the divine nature. And so in 2 Peter, <clears throat> 2 Peter chapter 1 is the verse that we started with. And again, I don't know how long this little series is going to go, but I'm just going to run with it. And <clears throat> the verse we read last week was 2 Peter chapter 1 verse, verse 3. And it says, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and to godliness through the true knowledge of him who has called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that you may become partakers of the divine nature. And we say divine nature. Divine nature. nature. Say it again. The divine nature, so that by them you may partake of the divine nature, having escaped or been acquitted from the corruption of this world. And we say amen to that. Today, I want to take off on this and go to part two, and we'll be in Ephesians chapter one and Ephesians chapter two. So, and I want to pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. We declare right now that you are the Lord of this house. You are the Lord of my life. And we exalt you today. We, we lift you up and we place you in the, the seat of authority. We place you in the best seat in the house, the highest seat of esteem. We put you there. That's where we see you. That's how we feel about you. We esteem you. We lift you up. Hmm. We ask for you to be Lord of our lives. Be Lord in this room. Be Lord in our families. We ask for you to do what's in your heart today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. So we're taking off. So there's this divine nature that we can take hold of rather than the world that we live in and the trials, the obstacles, the confusion, the pain, the suffering that we live in. You know, someone once said life is suffering. How many would say that that's true? Like over time, you look back over your life and there's been a lot of suffering, various kinds, some's minor, so some of you had, you know, had three, three days in a row with a migraine. You're like, it didn't feel minor at the time, but it's minor compared to some of the other suffering we go through, right? But life is, life is painful, right? Um, but Jesus came to give us life abundantly so that we would have access to the divine nature so that our existence and our experience and the way that we see the world isn't through the lens of problems and suffering, but it's through glory. It's through glory. It's through the divine nature. Jesus took our suffering so that we could take on his blessing and his benefit. And yeah, we go through trials, we go through suffering, we go through pain, but that does not have to be the way in which we see the world or the expectation we have of life. Everyone listen to me. We may suffer. Jesus said, you will suffer, you'll go through hard things, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. So we should not expect suffering or expect bad things. We should expect to partake of the divine nature of God, which has everything we need for life and godliness. There should never be an obstacle that we face in life where we look at it and say, oh no, I have no clue what to do about this. You're like, well, I may not have a clue what to do about it, but I know there's access to a divine nature. There's access to a realm of the supernatural that I can go there and get answers for this thing that I don't know what to do about. We have been given this access to God's throne room where we can receive mercy in our time of need. By Jesus' blood, we have been given access to the throne of God. Would everyone say that? Access. access. To, the of God. to the throne of God. 
So Jesus died and rose again to give us access to this divine nature, this, this throne of God where in that moment of, of temptation or in that moment of trial or pain or suffering, we know we have somewhere we can go. We can appeal to a higher power. We can go to a higher court. And this judge is just and righteous. And he always has our best interest at heart. So when we live in this world and we go from suffering to suffering, it's easy to believe that the world is supposed to be about suffering and that I'm just supposed to suffer through it. But that's not the lesson that Jesus wants us to learn. The lesson he wants us to learn is that when you suffer, when you go through trials, you have access to something that's not visible. You have access to an invisible realm that is higher than the powers and principalities of this world. That is that has solutions to every problem. There's nothing we face that we don't have access to a solution. And in Ephesians 1 3, he says this blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Come on. Last week, he gave us everything we need for life and godliness. This verse says he's given us everything we need, every spiritual blessing he's given to us. And where is it found? In heavenly, everyone say in heavenly places. The answers and the solutions that we're looking for in life will not come from earthly resources. I mean, Shagun just told stories of how heavenly resources broke the mind, broke, broke um, what was law, the law of, well, you only have this much oil, it can't multiply. Yeah. But God's resources are not limited by the laws that we live on on this earth. Oh, someone's dead, they can't be resurrected. Jesus didn't accept that law. If someone died before their time and Jesus is walking by and there happened to be a funeral procession, he felt, hey, I'm the resurrection and the life. This does not have to be the reality for this mother who's mourning her, her young child that's died. I can resurrect this child because I'm not bound by this earthly reality. There is a divine nature that I am constantly partaking of. And if you'll walk with me, if you will be with me and be seated in heavenly places with me, you can access that divine nature. That makes me feel good about my problems. Because every time I look at mine and I think, oh, I don't have, oh, I don't have, or I don't know how to do that. I have no clue how to fix that. I have no resources. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough this. I don't, I don't have to go by the resources I have here on earth. There is a place that I've access to where it's <laughs> everything we need in abundance. So he gave us everything we need, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. This verse tells us that God lives in heavenly places. And so do our spiritual blessings. God lives everywhere, but the throne room has a, that we have access to is in heavenly places. Everyone say heavenly places. Heavenly now let's skip over to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm just doing a little teaching today, and we may talk just a minute. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to read 1 through 10. And you he made alive. Everyone say me. me. And he made us alive who were dead in our sins and our trespasses in which we once walked according to the patterns, to the course of this world. According to who? Yeah. <laughs> the prince and the power of the air. Listen to where the influence came from. When we lived according to the patterns of the world. So it says here, when we were dead in our sin and our trespasses, 
because we walked according to the patterns and the courses of this world, which were ruled by the prince and the power of the air, which was Satan. So when we live from this realm, we're giving access to him in the second realm. All right, listen, we'll go through this slowly. And he is the spirit who now works in people of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath. Remember how I talked about when we are not connected with God, the enemy manipulates us and uses us to cause pain to God and to others. Many of us in this room have suffered trauma from another person. Did you know that that other person was not the enemy? Yeah, come on. Yeah. And yeah, they did a horrible thing, but they were under the influence of the prince and the power of the air, the evil Satan, who was using that person to wound us and to wound God. Man. So that's, it makes it easier. I didn't say easy. It makes it easier to forgive people who cause us trauma because they're being used by the devil to hurt God and to hurt us. Because they're objects of wrath. We were once objects of wrath. We have hurt other people. We have caused trauma to other people. And we didn't set out to do that. We didn't mean to. But we grade ourselves on a different system than other people, right? Well, I, I didn't really mean to do that. Well, that other person definitely meant to do it. That's kind of how we do this. But the, the, the point here is... When we were not living according to God's nature, we were under another nature. And that nature caused us to act out in ways that caused pain to God and to the people around us. But he says that we were made alive. We were resurrected from that dead man. man. But God, come on, who is rich in mercy. Why is God rich in mercy? Because of his great love for us, which he has loved us. That even when we were dead in our trespasses and in our sins and in our committing traumas against other people, he made us alive in Christ. And he saved us by his grace. Come on. Grace is the empowering presence of God. Grace causes us to do what we could not do in ourselves. Grace is not the same as mercy. Grace is empowering. Mercy releases us from something. But grace empowers us towards something. For by grace we have been saved. Come on. And then he raised us up. Not only did he resurrect us and make us alive, he raised us up together and he put us in a seat that we didn't belong in. He gave us the best seat in the house. Those of us who didn't deserve it, who caused trauma to God and to other people, those of us who acted out sinful wrath towards God, he looked at us and said, you're worth something. And I'm going to make you alive. You're not dead anymore. And not only am I going to resurrect you and leave you to fend for yourself, I'm going to take you and I'm going to seat you in Christ. So that when people see you, when the world sees you, they don't see Jared or Shagoon or Nicole. They see Christ in you. And you're not seated in your seat on earth trying to solve earth problems. You're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
And you have access to partake of the divine nature of God that flows through Jesus into us as long as we are in Christ. You're like, well, I'm a new creation. But the first part of that verse says, therefore, if anyone, if, that means there's a choice. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So Jesus, because of his, because of God's great love for us, Jesus resurrected us and he made us to sit with him in Christ in heavenly places. Why? So that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. What is he saying here? When other people look at us and see how kind God is toward us, they will want the same kindness shown toward them. That was good. For by grace we have been saved through faith and not of anything we've done ourselves. It is the gift of God. Everyone say it's a gift of God. This was a gift from God. We didn't earn this. Grace is a gift. Faith is a gift. Everything we received was a gift. It wasn't something we apprehended through fighting and through turmoil or through warfare or something that we said, I'm going to go get that thing. No, God the Father, because every good and perfect gift comes from him, has released these gifts to us. And where do we find these gifts? In heavenly places. We don't access them here on earth. We don't access them here on this plane. We don't live by the rules of this plane. We're seated in Christ in heavenly places, above all powers and principalities and rulers. We're above this, and we're seated in Christ. And none of us will get arrogant and boast about this, right? Because we didn't earn it. It was a gift to us. We were actually in the gutter dead. But Jesus says, you're worth something and resurrected us and say, hey, come sit in me in heavenly places next to my father, where you have divine access to the divine nature. Why did he do this? So that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of ourselves. It's the gift of God, not works, so that no one boasts. And then it finishes with this great picture. We are his workmanship. There's a better word for it. We are his masterpiece. (laughs) Say masterpiece. We are his masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus for what? What's it say? Good works. Everyone say good works. Which means access to the divine nature. I was created as a masterpiece to be in Christ so that I can produce good works, so that I can access the divine nature of God so that if we are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good things to them to ask Him so that we can demonstrate this to the world. Yes. Mm. And then he says this, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Yeah. So he's saying this is the way you're supposed to live. This isn't a place you visit. This isn't like sandals. This isn't Disney vacation. This is not a place you go. I don't know why that came to mind. Maybe I need to go to the beach. I don't know. This is not, this is not a Caribbean cruise where you take off and you leave a vacation. You're like, oh, I get away from all the problems of my world. I, you know, my happy place is the mountains. I go there and I forget about everything. I'm like, I just want to build a cabin and live here and grow my hair really long and become a, a hermit, right? Because there are no problems up here until I'm there long enough. <laughs> you know, the, but this, he's saying this isn't a reprieve from your life on earth. 
He's saying, this is your life. You're not to partake of the divine as if it's the dessert. It's the whole meal. It's the whole meal. Yet we live so unaware of what's available to us because we're looking here and we're fighting from here. But he goes, that's not how you fight. You don't, though you live in the world, you're not of the world. And you don't fight the same way the world fights. Because our struggle is not here against flesh and blood, but it's elevated. It's in a different place. This is so important because we are in a spiritual war. This is, that was my intro. I'm sorry. This is going to be a long one. (laughs) I'm teasing. That was my intro. That's the foundation of the message today. Because all of that's true because we're in a spiritual war. There is a battle for your soul right this second. There are powers and principalities and angels warring even in this room, in this atmosphere for your soul, for your attention, for your destiny, right even now. Trying to keep you from what God says is yours. Trying to keep you from realizing you're not seated here, but you're seated in Christ there. Trying to get you to try to solve the problems from your resources. Remember what we said. The reason Satan was the father of lies is because everything he did came from his own resources. So if I'm living here trying to solve all of this here from my resources, then I am of Satan when I do that. Because there are no resources here to fix the problems of earth. They have to come from heavenly places. Amen? And we're in a spiritual warfare. And in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, Paul is telling them, and he says it like this. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. But that's not really what it says. It actually says, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning the spiritual. Not just gifts, the spiritual. And I'm afraid that the church has become ignorant of the spiritual. Yeah. Come on. We've, we've become very Greek in our mindset that there, there's a problem and a solution and it usually comes through political means or power or democracy or if you get enough people wanting this thing, then, it, then we'll have a good solution to this problem. That's not how heaven operates. Heaven is not a democracy. Yeah. Like, well, we love democracy. Yeah, kind of. we, we like representative democracy. That's what, actually what we are. We are. America is not a democracy. Because if it's democracy, then mob rules. Which we're seeing right now, people fighting like fools over abortion. And if this ruling for Roe v. Wade is the true ruling that comes down, it doesn't even outlaw abortion. It just gives states the power to outlaw abortion. Which, thank God, Texas has a trigger in ours that says when Roe v. Wade goes away, Texas, no more abortions. Praise Jesus. There's like 25 other states like that. But you see people dressing up like demons and literally doing evil things because they're trying to mob rule this. And if 51% of the mob is evil, then we're going to make evil rules. Heaven is not a democracy. Are you all okay? You're like, don't, don't tell me we're not in a spiritual war when I see the things I saw on TV this week. Yeah. When I, I, I see a, a group of pro-abortion, I'm not, not pro-abortion, pro-murder of children 
people yelling out, if you find yourself pregnant with that little B-A-S-T-A-R-D, right? What are you going to do? And the crowd's like cheering. Like, you kill that little thing. You abort it. And they're cheering. Wow. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Yeah. We're in a spiritual war. Yeah, come on. This is not a political war. This is not a democratic war. This is not, oh, we can find political solutions to this issue. No, we can't. This is pure evil being spread as common. And it's actually ancient worship. Did you know this has been going on for thousands of years? They took, they would, they would have these festivals and they would have these giant orgies and these parties and women would become pregnant because of this giant party that they would have. And they would come back nine months later when all the women were ready to have birth and they would birth their children and they would kill them and offer it to the god Molech. This is true. This is what they would do. It became another party where they would kill their own children and offer it to this god. And here we are thousands of years later and people are still doing this. And we want to say we're not in a spiritual war. Oh, there's, it's not spiritual. Don't make everything spiritual. No, we're in a spiritual world. Do not be ignorant concerning the spiritual. How am I ignorant concerning the spiritual? I'm living here, and I'm not living seated in Christ in heavenly places. There are, th there are three heavens. Some talk about four others that can be classified as this. But there's a first heaven, a second heaven, and a third heaven. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the, what's the last letter on that word heaven? There's an S there. The heavens and the earth. There's not just one place. There's not just one heaven that we're going to go to. Earth is considered and classified. Earth, where we live, where we work, where we play. Uh, it's where righteousness or unrighteousness lives on earth is the first heaven. Then there's a second heaven. It's the place where there's angelic and demonic activity going on. And you, don't, you say it's not real. Watch the news. Watch the news. As back to the, the topic at hand. California is passing a new law that's called a perinatal abortion. What's perinatal mean? If prenatal is before birth, then perinatal is after birth where they can, up to seven days after birth, kill the child. This law is already being passed in California. It's done. Some others are trying to get 28 days. All right? There's evil influencing the decisions on the earth. Where do those decisions get made? In the second heaven, where powers and principalities are fighting for authority. Have you ever driven to um, a certain part of town? I don't, I don't want to list anything. You've driven through a certain part of town and you felt an evil or an atmosphere. That's a principality that has authority over that region. Some it's perversion, some it's poverty, some it's murder, some it's crime and, and theft. Some it's, it's, we think we're better than everyone else. We're arrogant, we're pride, we're, we're, we're above everyone because we're upper class, whatever. But you drive through this place and you feel this power this like, oh, or all of a sudden you're agitated. You have run into a principality that rules that area. And it's real. This stuff is real. It's not it fake. It's not imagination. Come on. We're in a spiritual world. And the first heaven is where what takes place in the second heaven gets implemented. All right. Then there's the third heaven where God's throne is. Come on. 
It's where Christ is seated and where when we're in Christ, we're seated with him. So if there's the first heaven, second heaven, third heaven. We're supposed to live up here looking down. But we've been living here looking up at the problems and saying, oh, there's evil. And, there's, and so we're looking up like, oh, God, there's nothing we can do. Rather than we're seated in Christ, we have solutions from here that can infiltrate second and first heaven. If we war from the first heaven, then we're under the influence of the second heaven. But if we war from the third heaven, our seat in Christ, we're under the influence of the divine nature. And the things that we pray aren't our own prayers. The things that we desire aren't our own desires. The way that we vote, the way that we live, the way that we entertain ourselves is not under the influence of powers and principalities. I know this is heavy. We can't talk about partaking of the divine nature and forget that there is an actual spirit world uh, that's going on, a spirit war, and there's a spiritual realm that we need to become more aware of. The problem is twofold here, and each one uh, determines what influences us, what influences us and what influence flows through us. The first one is who sits on the throne of our heart. If when the church, when we repent, this is what repentance church-wide will look like. Jesus is now back on the seat of our heart. And when we put Jesus on the seat of our heart, everything changes. You're like, well, I'm trying to figure out how to fix all these things. How many of you have ever felt like you're in a boat and you've got all these holes you're trying to plug in your life? Like, well, I'm not very good at this and I'm really bad at that and I have a bad attitude here. And you're trying to plug all the holes. Here's the first thing we should do. First things first. Put Jesus on the seat of our heart, on the throne of our heart. When we put Jesus where he belongs, then he lines everything else up the way it's supposed to be. It's the divine order of things. So the first thing we have to do is we need to figure out who sits on the throne of our own heart. Because if Jesus, listen, I hate to say this, this is true, but if Jesus doesn't sit on the throne of our heart, someone else does. Come on. Yes, I do. That should be really scary. Like, oh, I can just kind of wishy-washy do my Christian thing and, and I'll, I'll be okay. No, we can't. It's either Jesus sits on the throne of our heart or he doesn't. And I don't want anyone else trying to sit on the throne of my heart. You're like, well, Satan's not going to come sit on the throne of my heart. Okay, fine, maybe. But what if I put my wife there? Come on. What if I put my job there? Yeah. Well, well, now it's just as good as if Satan was sitting on the throne of my heart because now I'm living unto these other things. And Jesus isn't the Lord of my life. Something else is. And so guess what comes with that? Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> pain, suffering. So we have to answer the question, who sits on the throne of our heart? And then the second question is, where are we seated? Am I, do I live like I'm seated in Christ or do I live like I'm seated below? Above or below? That's the options here. Like, this is the gospel. This is the truth. We're in a spirit war. Someone is sitting on the throne of our heart. Sometimes it's us which is the worst possible thing because we can trick ourselves into thinking that we're really good when we're not. We're really good at that. Like I said, we grade ourselves on a curve. We grade everything else, you know, righteously. But something is sitting on the throne of our heart and we're seated somewhere. 
This is just true. Amen? I heard this in a, a podcast we listened to, what, two months ago or so now, whenever, whenever it was, and it's on spiritual warfare. And I had never really thought of it. I knew it was, like, when I heard it, I was like, oh, I know that's true. But I never really thought, like, thought through it. Now, Satan's pride, the, the reason Satan fell from heaven. Did you know his name was the morning star? The Lucifer, he was the morning star. He was the conductor of worship before God. He decided, he decided that he wanted to sit somewhere that he didn't have a reservation for. Where did he want to sit? On God's throne. And there's only one of those, right? Only God sits on that throne. Like God. And Satan's like, no, I want to sit there. It's time for people to sing praises to me. It's time I got my attention. I'm the morning star. Come on. I, I want to sit on that seat. And God's like, no, you can't. So he kicks him out of heaven. He falls like lightning to the earth. Where is, when, when he said this in the podcast, it blew my mind. Where is the only other place in all of creation where God sits and he has a throne? In our heart. So Satan couldn't go up to heaven and sit on God's throne the next best thing to him is to find a human and to sit on the throne of their heart. Yeah. And it's evil and perverse for him to sit there. And I, I would say that we either, there may be someone in this room, there may be someone on the podcast, that right now he needs to be deceited from the throne. Because what happens when he sits there is he rules according to his plans. Yeah. You're like, well, that doesn't sound very good. No, he only, he only wants to do a couple of things, right? Kill, steal, destroy. Like, whoa, man, I've kind of experienced some death in my life. There's been some thievery going on. I need to make sure Jesus is sitting on my throne of my heart. I want this to be heavy. It's supposed to be because this is actually true. Everywhere we go throughout the day, this warfare is going on 24-7, whether we're asleep, whether we're awake, whether we're aware, or whether we're not. There's a battle going on in the second heaven for, the, for the, the place in our heart of preeminence. Because once, once that place in our heart gets occupied, it will influence the atmospheres. There are cities that belong to Jesus on the earth right now. Did you know that? There are cities where people have said, Jesus is the Lord, and he sits on my heart. And they've got around some other people that says, you know what? I'm with you. Jesus sits on the throne of my heart. And they found some more people and said, hey, you want Jesus to sit on the throne of your heart? They're like, yes. And this group of people, it didn't matter the number, decided Jesus sits on the throne of our heart, and we're seated in Christ in heavenly places. And this stuff's not allowed in our city. There are cities popping up all over the world, small cities, some larger cities where, where spiritual war is being won by the heavenly armies instead of the enemy. And it's because people decided Jesus is going to sit on the throne of my heart and I'm going to hang out with people who have Jesus sitting on the throne of their heart because bad company corrupts good character. It's true. 
You're like, well, I'm going to influence them. How long is that going to take? Well, there are places where Jesus is the Lord. There's an example of it in the Bible when, when it says that in Jesus' own hometown, he can only do a few miracles. Why? Because the people didn't believe him. They were offended. And their offense and their unbelief created an atmosphere that actually hindered the move of God in that city. It happened even in Jesus' time. And it says, literally it says it, and he could only do a few miracles because of their offense and unbelief. Why? Because there was a principality that had authority over that region. And hopefully in the next few weeks, we're going to talk more about how we displace those principalities and powers and rulers because you and I have been given authority to kick them out of their places of authority. But I don't dare do that until he's sitting on the throne of my heart. And I don't dare try that until I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places and until we've walked some of this stuff out and I've practiced. Because the spiritual war is not for the faint of heart, but it is true. It is real. And even the church has tried to deny that there's a spiritual war going on. Like, oh, we can, we can program it, we can train, we can control, we can, you know, behavior modification, we can do all that stuff and take care of it. And it doesn't work because there are no solutions on the first heaven. The only solutions for here comes from the third heaven, which is where we're all supposed to be seated in Christ. Amen? Amen. Yeah. So we're in a spiritual war, and guess what? We need help. Yes. We need help to win. And the help we need comes from God, who he already says, I've given you everything you need to succeed in life and godliness. And I've given you every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So we need help. But you and I know where to get help now, right? Amen. Let's stand. All right. That's enough for today. Here's where we're starting. Every one of us here, let's bow our heads. We need to make sure Jesus sits on our, the throne of our heart. We need to make sure Jesus is the Lord of our life. There's no like, oh, I'm kind of I'm dating Jesus. No, that doesn't work. It's a marriage. It's a full commitment. And he's the Lord. So I want to ask you the question, if you're at home and you're like, man, he's not the Lord of my life. If you're in the room and you would say, he's not the Lord of my life. He's not sitting on the throne of my heart. I'm seeing way too much death and destruction and killing and stealing. And I need Jesus to sit on the throne of my heart. Would you raise your hand and you can put it right back down. Anyone at all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Anyone home. Thank you for raising your hand. Yeah. Do it in your living room. That's fine. Raise your hand. Put it back down. He's there. And here it's really simple. We're going to say a prayer. And I'm just going to ask you to say this prayer with me. And if we add our faith to the prayer, it causes it to become uh, reality. It causes it to be fruitful. And so all we're going to do is we're simply going to pray and ask for Jesus to come sit on the throne of our heart. I'm, re- I'm going to rededicate right now. I want to make sure. So would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, Lord, King of Kings, 
I'm asking you to come sit on the throne of my heart. Be the king of my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender to you. I don't want to live on my own anymore. I want to be in you. And I ask you to do everything you want to do. You can rearrange. You can remodel. My heart is yours. Do what you want to. I pray that you would influence my life. That's powerful. Jesus, influence my life. (laughs) Amen. And now we're going to pray. We have two more things we're going to pray. Now we're going to pray that we would become seated in Christ in heavenly places. And the last thing I'm going to ask you to come to the front for is that we would run with people, that we would make a commitment to one another, that Jesus is sitting on the throne of my heart, and I'm going to be seated in heavenly places, and we're going to begin to take influence of the second heaven. That'll be the final altar. But for right now, I want, to, I want you to pray with me that we would become seated in Christ. See, it's not something like we can do. It's not, there's not a ladder to this place. It comes through Jesus being the Lord and through surrender, and it's a gift. He raises us up. He picks us up and seats us there. So I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask you just to pray to him for him to raise you up and to seat you in him in heavenly places. So Jesus, you're the Lord of our life. We've surrendered to you. I've surrendered. I've rededicated myself to you being the Lord, you being in charge of my future, my present, my past. And so I'm asking you now for you to resurrect me, make me alive, make me a new creation. And as you resurrect me, I'm asking you to take me and seat me in you, in Christ, in heavenly places. Put me in the seat I'm supposed to be in. If I've been seated in the wrong seat, move me now. Above the powers and principalities and rulers of this darkness. Take me and lift me up. Yeah, my surrender. (laughs) I just pictured like when when you have little babies and little kids and you're picking them up and you're putting them in the high chair. How they reach their hand up. Like, yeah, they're ready. That's that's us right now. We just lift our hands. (laughs) Place me in my seat. Give us new eyes now. Change our perspective. (laughs) We have a different perspective now. You flip the problem upside down now, Lord. We have access to the divine nature now. We have access to divine solutions for what's going on down there. We're no longer under that influence. We are now the influence over that thing, over that region, over that area of our life. And we have access to everything we need for life, for godliness, and every spiritual blessing that you've provided for us. We have access to it in this seat. Amen. Now I want to invite you, you want to run with people where Jesus is the Lord and with people that are seated in heavenly places and you want to make, this is just like a, a connection, a unity, a unifying thing. Would you come to the front and we're going to, we're going to pray here at the end as well and then we'll pray for needs if you have specific needs as well because we believe Jesus is here to release the divine nature even right now. Yes, yes, thank you, Lord. Yeah, it only takes two or three. It only takes two or three to shift an atmosphere.
It really only takes one person who's committed to God, who's Jesus is seated on the throne of our heart. So I want you to look around. These are our brothers and sisters that are saying, I'm, I'm with you. We're together. Jesus is the Lord of my life. Come on. Jesus is the Lord of my life. And I'm letting him seat me in heavenly places in Christ above all this other stuff. And now I want to use the influence that I have. I want to affect the powers and principalities in my family, in my life, in my church, in my city. So we're just going to pray into that. God, let us begin to partake of the divine nature and make war. Yep. Jesus. Yeah. Make us warriors right now. <laughs> you know, we, we want to make war on earth and in the heavenlies right now, God. I ask that as we are surrendered people people that are surrendered to you as Lord, that you have seated us in Christ and we have access to make war, to pull down strongholds and powers and principalities, to unseat principalities and darkness and to replace them with righteousness. God, I ask that we would become an open heaven. I ask that those of us here, that we fight one another, with one another to shift the atmosphere of this house, of this church, of our families, God, that you would have preeminence. We don't use that word preeminence, but it means that he's first. Yes. He has first rights, first dibs. He has preeminence. He gets to choose. Jesus, we say that over our family. Say it over your family. You have preeminence in my family. Now say it over your neighborhood. You have preeminence in my neighborhood. You have preeminence in my kid's school. You have preeminence in my city. Let's say it about the church. Jesus, you have preeminence in fire life. Now we've just done something that's very powerful and have, will have lasting impact. But for it to become culture, we have to practice it. And when I say practice it, I mean we practice bringing heavenly solutions to the issues that we're facing on the earth. We practice. And then when I'm with other people that have Jesus sit, seated on the throne of their heart and they're seated in heavenly places, we together try to figure out how to bring heavenly solutions to everything we face. And if I say something that sounds like I'm looking down here up towards a problem, they can say, hey, wait a second, you're in Christ, right? You're seated in Christ. Let's go to Jesus about that. Just shift our perspective. Instead of problem solving from here, we're problem solving from our royal seat in Christ. All right? At home, if you hear that negative talk, if you hear that um, th this is too difficult, there are too many gaps and things for us to, to take care of. No, 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 no. We're seated in Christ. He's provided us everything we need to succeed in life and godliness, and we have every spiritual blessing. Begin to shift the way we see things. We are carriers of the divine nature. We're not just partakers. We're carriers. He's in us, for us. He's on us, for others. It's going to affect other people. It's going to affect the atmosphere. What happens when you walk into your workplace and everyone's all of a sudden like, man, I feel, I just feel like happy. I feel peaceful. I don't even know why. I just felt the peace, peace come into the room. Like, yeah, that's right. I carry peace with me. What happens if we're the ones that influence the atmosphere? So God, I ask that you would anoint every one of us to be partakers of the divine and releasers of the divine nature. Let us become the influencers, influencers of the atmospheres that we, that we find ourselves in.
and you did all of this so that the world could see your kindness expressed to us, that they would say, I want a king like Jesus. Amen. Amen.